Well, hey, Blackhawk family, for those of you who I haven't had a chance to meet, my name is Matt, and I'm one of the pastors here at Blackhawk Church. And uh, so for all of you, you might be thinking, this looks a little different than the usual Sunday morning. Why am I on a screen this morning instead of live on the east side stage where I normally am. Actually, I am on the east side stage, but you get the idea. This is filmed ahead of time. The, the reason why is, uh, well, this week I received word from back home uh, in Fort Lauderdale that my dad uh, is not doing well. I've shared with a lot of you that um, he's belt, dealt with cancer for years and we just got a scan uh, that his cancer is back and with a vengeance and it's spread everywhere. We have seen a decline in how he's doing and all of it really makes sense now. And and my mom has um, significant memory issues. My mom might be watching right now. Hi, mom. And uh, so... I went ahead, our team went ahead and filmed this ahead of time. So this is actually Wednesday right now, and Rachel and I will be on a flight uh, tomorrow morning to head to Fort Lauderdale to be with my parents. So for those of you who have dealt with ailing parents, you get it. Um, Rachel and I would really appreciate your prayers right now as we walk my parents through this season. Um, You know, they both love the Lord so much. And uh, we know that they're going to spend eternity with Jesus. And, um, and yet these, um, there's, <laughs> we're prepared with Kleenex. Um, these, seasons are, uh, these seasons are still hard. And so we would covet your prayers as we walk through this season. The doctors have said, um, my dad probably doesn't have months. It's probably not as short as days. It's probably somewhere in weeks. So we're taking things one day at a time. So we would, uh, we would just appreciate your prayers in this season. If you reach out to me and I don't get back to you right away, I'm, I'm sure you understand. So, um, now, the other thing that I actually did plan on talking to everyone about uh, this morning is um, really for our Blackhawk Church family, we're coming to the end of our fiscal year at the church. We run from July until June. So June's not far away, the end of June. And we as a church, we just want to be transparent with you for everyone who calls Blackhawk Church home on how we're doing financially with the budget that we voted on uh, last year. And uh, right now we're about 7% behind really where we're supposed to be in our budget, which comes out to about $500,000. Now, we're doing okay as a church. We, we don't spend what we don't have. And so when it comes to our yearly budget, we are still in the place that we need to be, but the shortfall does keep us from certain areas of ministry that we had planned for this year. So as your senior pastor uh, of all of you who call Blackhawk Church your home, I just want to ask you, if, if, if you call Blackhawk Church your home and you're not in the game with us financially, would you consider getting in the game with us and helping us in this shortfall? Uh, and if, if you do consider Blackhawk Church your home and you do give on a regular basis, I mean, first off, I just want to say thank you. Thanks so much for being generous around here. And secondly, uh, would you just prayerfully consider giving beyond what your normal gift is to Blackhawk to help us close this gap. Look, uh, God's doing great things around our church. In just a couple weeks, I get the chance to give a sermon where I am going to give some vision for the future and tell lots of stories on the ways that God is working around here. And I'm super excited to do that. 
So uh, just in this time, would you prayerly, prayerfully consider helping us this year just be able to finish strong? I want to show you something to give you uh, just a little bit of a picture of um, something that is hanging in our home that's kind of old school. We have, um, well, an old paper calendar. Now, when I say old, it's actually up to date, but it's paper, and uh, which is a little different than what people use. We actually have hung paper calendars in our kitchen uh, for years, like since the girls were little. And uh, so for us, when, when big things come up that we need to make sure that we don't forget, they go on this calendar. Now, okay, now of course, we have the info on our smartphones, on our Outlook calendars, all of those places, but this way, it's easy to be able to just at a glance, walk by and see what's up there. And kind of, in a lot of ways, we like paper calendars, so there you go, we're old. But uh, so on this calendar, like we're in May, right now. And uh, we've got dates where we are traveling that are on here. We've got dentist appointments, just to make sure that you know about that. Yep, we are keeping the teeth clean. We have all kinds of things that are up here. Times that we're traveling, parties or get togethers that we're going to. And one of the big ones, actually, that I wanted to show you just a little bit about are uh, some dates that are coming up in June. And uh, the dates that are coming up in June, right in here in this week, where we have down on the calendar that our girls are coming home. So now something that I don't know if you all know, Rachel and I are empty nesters. Both of our girls are actually now done with college and both have jobs, praise Jesus. And, uh, and so with both of them, they're living now in different towns. My one daughter down in Georgia and then Leah in Iowa. And, uh, and so that makes time together like that much more special. So when they come home at the same time, yeah, that's a big deal for us. We, we don't get that many of days where all of us are together. So for a few days in June, we'll be together. Therefore, our girls and their trip made the calendar. So and anything on this calendar, well, it, it makes it on the calendar so that we remember. Uh, you know, like, so we don't forget. Maybe you do the same thing. Knowing the date reminds us to prepare and be ready. So we can clean the house. We can go grocery shopping. We can clear our schedules of other commitments and make sure other things don't fall on there. Knowing the date gives us the ability to prepare. And, and my guess is, is that for all of us, we do that to some level. We like knowing dates of when we know things that are coming up so that we can be ready, which is why <laughs> the subject that we are going to talk about today, well, it can be a challenge for us. Now, if, if you're new around here, uh, something to know. This entire school year, we have been in a series called Live This Book, where we have been looking at the whole story of the Bible and the themes that run through it. And uh, we've been doing this since September. We're going to the beginning of June. And if you're just joining us, <laughs> well... You were catching us on the second to last week. <laughs> Congratulations. So we are finally hitting the end of the series. Uh, we have this week and one more week to follow. And next week, Charles is going to close things out for us. And one of the things that we have seen throughout this entire series that we've been looking at, that we've talked about many times during this year is that the Bible is one big story. I mean, sure, there are a lot of small stories within it. There's a lot of teaching within it to help us within our daily lives. But ultimately, it's one big story. 
It's a story of, of God moving towards redeeming his people back to himself. And it's a story that's followed this plot line like throughout the entire way. These have actually been the sections of our series that we've looked at. As we looked at God's plan for humanity, but then the humans rebel. And so God chooses a people, but then God's people rebel. So Jesus comes, Jesus the king. Then it comes to us, the empowered church, and then God's mission accomplished. And, and today in this series, well, we're in this last section. We just jumped there a couple weeks ago. God's mission accomplished. And today in that series, we are talking about, well, Christ's return, the return of Jesus to this world. But, but here's the thing. It's a, it's a grand finale that you and I, well, we continue to wait for because we're not there yet. And we don't know when it's coming. In other words, we don't get to put the date somewhere on our calendar. So everything that we are talking about today, well, really, like we are speculating about the details. And that makes this subject, well, kind of weird to talk about. In fact, look, there are all kinds of scholars that debate details of what will take place when the end times and Christ actually returns, what that's going to be like. And because of this, there are all kinds of potential rabbit holes that we can get stuck in. But when we look at, again, the whole picture of scripture, this topic of Christ's return, (laughs) it's important for us to talk about because it's all over the place in the Bible. Look, think about this. There are a lot of verses, like when it comes to the Old Testament that predicted the coming of Jesus. (laughs) And when we read those, like we get all Christmassy feeling. But did you know that like when it actually comes to Christ's second coming, the subject is actually talked about in the Bible five times as much as his first coming. If, If the second coming of Jesus is talked about that much, maybe we should talk about it too. (laughs) Okay, now here's the thing. There are oftentimes two questions that really when it comes to Christ's return that I think many people tend to put their focus on. And those are, well, when will it happen? And then what exactly will happen when he returns? When will it happen and what will happen? So what I wanna do for a minute, I wanna talk about those first two before what I think we're going to move on to is the the more important question, the third question that we'll be looking at. But first things first, let's talk about these first two. Let's jump in first with this question, when is he coming back? Because people would love to be able to know where to put it on a calendar. In fact, there there has been all kinds of speculation and theories about the timing of, of Christ's return. People have tried to put it on the calendar (laughs) and the thing that you know is it never works very well. Anytime that there have been predictions about like the the coming of the end of the world, there have been Christians who have wanted to tie it into the time that Jesus was coming back. One of those those particular times I, I remember, I'm guessing for a bunch of you remember this, was back in 1999 where there was concern about a a, a glitch in the date on everyone's computers. Do you remember this? That could cause all the computers like to shut down around the world. Mass chaos would ensue in the entire world. This time was known as 
Y2K. (laughs) I remember like I remember people who I knew who were stocking up on like non-perishable foods, survival supplies they were going to pick up. They were buying like these massive water containers out of fear that the world would shut down and they wouldn't be able to get their hands on things. And there were predictions made by people that this could be the end of the world. And any, again, any time that people predict the end of the world, people wonder if it's when Christ is returning. I remember that night, Rachel and I being at this New Year's Eve party with a friend. And right at midnight, as we're all saying Happy New Year's with all of us, let's be honest, slightly holding our breath as to what might happen. The guy who was hosting the party Yeah, he ran down into his basement and right as it hit midnight, yeah, he shut off all the power in the house just to be funny. And it totally freaked everyone out. I mean, it completely got us. (laughs) Now, here's the thing. We have all seen different predictions come through about the end of the world and the second coming of Christ. And the thing to realize is that all of these predictions, well, they've all come and gone. And guess what? Like we're all still here. (laughs) You see, the Bible isn't interested in letting us know when this is going to happen. Look, on on the one hand, scripture makes it sound like it could happen any day now. In fact, in the book of James chapter five, it says this. It says, you too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Here's another place in the book of Revelation again, where it says multiple times in multiple passages, Jesus says, I am coming soon. You see, near and soon, we get the idea it could happen. But then on the other hand, we have passages like Second Peter chapter three, verse eight, which says this, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. <laughs> a day is like a thousand years. So <laughs> near and soon, what exactly does that mean? Like it reminds me of when I used to go on road trips as a kid with my family and I would be asking my parents, like I would be sitting in the back seat and it would seem like we were driving forever and I would be dying of boredom in the back seat. So I would ask my parents when we were going to be there and they would respond soon. You see, over time, I started to realize that soon had a really broad meaning. You see, so here's what we do know about the timing. Jesus said in, in the book of Matthew chapter 24, when he was teaching his disciples, he said this, but about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father Uh, Think about that. God is not interested in giving us a date to put on our calendar. He, He does the exact opposite and goes as far as to say, no one will know. And and not even Jesus. I mean, think about it. If if Jesus doesn't know, why why do we think that we are somehow going to be able to figure it out? You know, the key point is this: it will not be expected. So so we will not know when. That is made clear. That's really the answer that we come to that first question. But let's go ahead and jump on to the next question. What will happen when he returns? Well, the entertainment industry has had a lot of fun speculating about what could happen in the end times. Like, like for instance, 
in, in the late 90s. Some of us remember the Left Behind book series that came out by Tim LaHaye and Jerry Jenkins. It was this, this series of stories in the end of, of really telling us what the end times might look like. Look, people flocked to these books. Movies were made. And look, these type of stories, let's be honest, big picture, they sell well because people are fascinated with the subject of what will happen. I mean, let's be honest, we all have questions. So in, re- in reality, look, there are disagreements between theologians, pastors, Christians in general about what exactly will take place. And a lot has been written on different views that are out there, which, which we don't have time to get into all today. But look, if, if you're a person who's interested in diving deeper, you know, we've put up some resources on our blog page that are available to you. So you can get to this page and there's more information. One particular resource is a book that has just been recently released by someone actually in our church, Dan Hummel, uh, who is a historian on staff with our friends over at Upper House. He just finished a book which is titled The Rise and Fall of Dispensationalism, How the Evangelical Battle Over the End Times Shaped a nation. Okay. Now, now, here's the thing, just so you know, ahead of time, one, that title is a mouthful and it is a deep dive. But if, if you're into taking a deep dive, anyone who likes geeking out on these subjects, well, you just might dig it. And, and if you want more of a Cliff Notes version, there's actually a podcast that uh, is put out called The Holy Post, where Dan's interviewed and gives us a synopsis of the book over two different episodes. Again, all of this is available on our resource page if you're interested in diving into it. Here's the main thing to know. Is that nobody knows exactly what it will be like. Just like no one knows exactly when it will happen. Deeply committed Christians have studied this for decades and they land in different places. And the Bible doesn't seem to really want to make it clear for us on what it will be like. Look, there are passages like this one we're going to look at in just a second from from 1 Thessalonians that that move towards what will happen. And in fact, this passage that we're going to look at written by the Apostle Paul, uh, he was writing to the church in Thessalonica. At that time, people in this church were concerned about what would happen to really their family and friends who died before Jesus returned. There was lots of concern about that. And so Paul moved them by saying these words, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Okay. Now, again, I told you, like, these passages, yeah, they're weird. 
We're introduced here to a concept actually that, that many people know as the rapture. The Christians will be taken by the Lord before the judgment of the world begins. And I know, like I said, it's weird. The details get a little confusing. I mean, like being caught up into the clouds together, what exactly does that mean? But, but here is what I think we are supposed to focus on when we look at a passage of scripture like 1 Thessalonians. I think that Paul actually was trying to point people towards what he said in verse 18. It really points towards the main purpose of what he's doing. In, in verse 18, he says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. You see, these words, th- these verses were not written to provide answers to the details of what will happen. They were written to encourage people. You see, the second coming of Christ is meant to be an encouragement to us as believers. And we have hope because of really the next question that I think is the most important one to look at. You know, I, I think that what is more important than, than when and what of Christ's return I think the, the most important thing for us to look at, I mean, look, the when and the what, they're interesting. They make us curious. But I don't think that these are the questions that we actually really need to be focusing on this much. The question that I think really means something more to us and the way that we live our lives is why will it happen? <laughs> why, is Jesus is rec- why is Jesus returning? Because the answer to this question It has massive implications on our lives. Let me ask you a quick question. How many of you enjoy movies with like a classic storyline where good wins out over evil? Like I, okay, I know that in the, in the big realm of critically acclaimed movies, these kinds of movies might not always win awards. They are oftentimes like, let's be honest, really predictable and they can even be semi-cheesy. You see, like, I don't know about you, but my entire life, yeah, I have been a sucker for these kinds of movies. Like, I love these types of stories where good triumphs over evil. And, and I'm guessing that for a decent amount of us, yeah, we love a good old good over evil story. And, and let's be honest, there are tons of them. Okay, the first series that I actually remember experiencing this was back when I was a kid and the first Star Wars trilogy came out. For those of you who are the Star Wars purists, yeah, I'm talking about episodes four, five, and six, just to make sure we're on the same page. It's the same with so many major movie series. Lord of the Rings, <laughs> pretty much any Marvel movie that you're going to watch. The entire Harry Potter series ends this way. So many Disney movies go this direction. Like you name it, you get my point. We see this storyline all the time and it's really rather similar. Usually in the story, it looks like <laughs> all hope's lost. The bad guys are winning, all is doomed. But then, then at just the right times, someone swoops in to save the day. Evil is defeated, good wins out, justice takes place, things are made right. And as predictable as these movies and stories are, <laughs> we just love them, don't we? I mean, they can give us goosebumps when we watch them. At the ends, we can stand up and cheer. Sometimes they actually make us like tear up. But but do you ever stop to ask the question when it comes to these type of stories, why do we love them so much? Like it's as if, it's as if they awaken something deep down inside of our soul like a deep longing inside of us that for many of us in many situations, we don't even know really exists. 
It happens really to all of us. It, like, it doesn't matter if you're a believer or a Christ follower or not. We all have this sense that there has to be something better in the world out there. And we have this deep longing inside of us, in our world, in our society, in our culture for wrong to be made right. I mean, think about it. We live in such a broken world and we brush up against this brokenness all the time. Like when we experience physical or emotional pain, when we have to deal with with sickness that someone has, when we see loved ones deal with cancer, like the stuff that I'm walking through with my dad right now, when we experience the death of, of those who we love, when, when we see horrible injustice happen in people's lives, in our community as well as around the world. You see, we experience these things and we all know well, it's just not the way it's supposed to be. And so deep down inside, we long to live in a world made right without sin, without pain, without death, without suffering, without injustice. And that is why Jesus is coming back. So it's the ultimate story. Remember, the Bible is one big story. It's the ultimate story of good defeating evil. Jesus is coming back and he is coming in order to make all things in the world right. But in the meantime, well, we live in this place in between Christ's first coming and his second coming. I I like to call this time the broken in between. It's a place where Jesus' death on a cross has been perfectly accomplished. Look, the payment of our sin, all of that's been taken care of. And this accomplishment, it can't be improved on in any way. In other words, we don't need to be forgiven anymore for what we have already been forgiven for. But at the same time, we know this world is still broken. So like we're stuck in this difficult place in the in-between where as Christians, we have, we've been adopted, but we're still waiting to be taken home. Where, where we're free, but well, we're still struggling with sin. You see, it's the broken in-between where sin has been defeated, but we are still waiting for all things to be made right. It, it kind of reminds me about this. Look, with both Hannah and Leah, since they live in other states, other parts of the country, we text a good bit and, and we make FaceTime calls a lot. It, it, here's the thing though. I am, I'm so grateful for FaceTime and the technology that makes that possible. But, but I'm guessing that you experience uh, the same thing that we do with FaceTime. You know, we're like, I'm on a call with the girls and, and, and the picture freezes or the sound goes out for a little while or the picture doesn't seem to match up with the words that are being said. And then all of a sudden, yeah, the call just drops. <laughs> I'm guessing you've probably all been there at some point, right? Now, now compare this with what we have on our calendar coming up in June. You know, where, where Leah pulls into the driveway and where we go to the airport to pick up Hannah and we see her riding down the escalator at the airport. And like, we are real in-person together, in-person visit with, with hugs and, and meals together and being able to read each other's body language, having, having extended conversations and shared experience together and laughter all in the same room. You see, FaceTime works right? 
but it pales in comparison to the physical presence of in-person time together that (laughs) we'll have in June when all four of us are together. You see, when we look at the world, like we know it still works, but we all know it's not an ideal situation yet. If it feels like it's supposed to work better than it does. And, and sure we catch glimpses of the potential. We catch glimpses of greatness, but, but we long for it to be as it should be all the time. Paul says it actually this way in the book of first Corinthians, he says for We now see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. We live in a broken in between and we don't know when it's going to be fixed. We don't have a way to put that on the calendar. We know that when Christ returned though, well, he'll fix everything, but we really don't know when that's going to happen. So here's the question. How should Christ's return affect the way that we live today in a broken in-between world? Actually, if we go back to one of the passages that we were looking at in James chapter five, it has something to say about how we should live. James five, seven and eight actually says this. James says, be patient then brothers and sisters until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. <laughs> Look, we are, we are called here to do two things and neither of these things are easy. The first thing we are told is to be patient. Be patient in the midst of of the brokenness of this world. In other words, God calls us to be people who trust him and trust his timing. (laughs) And let's just be honest, that is so hard. Like, have you ever had time in your life where you have prayed like, Lord Jesus, just come back. Like, (laughs) I know I have. And really, it's not that bad of a prayer. People pray that in scripture many times. My, My guess is that you've prayed this prayer well, when things are really hard in life, like as I've, as I've watched my dad in the way that he's been going downhill with the cancer and my mom dealing with memory issues, I've found myself praying at times, Lord, will you just come back and, and I can get impatient. So why doesn't Jesus come back? I mean, like, what are we waiting on? Well, Pastor Chris actually talked about this two weeks ago, that God, well, he wants all people to be saved. You see, God desires all people to come to the place of placing their faith in Jesus. And so we actually, if we go back to a passage that we looked at earlier, second Peter, again, we see this idea in chapter three, verse nine, where it says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. See, God is patient with us. Therefore, we should be patient with him too, trusting that he is coming on his timeline to make all things right, to put death to death. The second thing that we see that we're told to do in James 5 is that we need to be people who stand firm. In other words, we need to be people who stay on mission. And 
remain steadfast. And by that, I mean that we, we continue to work at what God has put before us, transforming this world that we are in into the type of place, into what he intended it to be originally. Like we continue to be the people who work as, as Christ ambassadors to bring good into this world. In other words, <laughs> we don't just write this world off and stop caring about it. Like we don't write it off as if, well, well, Jesus is coming back someday, so someday, so why should I care? No, 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 no. Like we don't stop. We don't give up on transforming this world. We continue to love the unlovable. We continue to fight for the rights of the least of these, those who can't fight for themselves. We continue to strive to rectify injustice in the world that we see all over the place. We stay on mission. You see, we image God. So we need to do that wherever we are in every circumstance and situations that we find ourselves in. Look, you and I are living out the identity we've been given as image bearers of God in this broken world that we're in. Look, there is a, there is a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that I think encapsulates this idea. It, it, it says this, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So we are patient and we stand firm in the hope (laughs) that we have that he is coming back. And here's the reason why I think it's good to be reminded of this. It's because (laughs) it's so easy to get distracted and it's so easy to get discouraged If I am honest with you, I can easily fall into this camp. Like I can so easily get distracted by the things of this world. And if the majority of you are like me, we just get tricked into living for things that really don't matter and ultimately won't last. So we end up living like this world is the greatest thing that matters. And we get so enamored by the things in this world, the things in our culture that are new and shiny. Sometimes, let's be honest, We don't even want Jesus to come back or maybe like, okay, Lord, how about right after I take this next vacation, then you can come. You guys, this is such a Western culture mindset. Like there are are many other places in the world where, where wars are taking place and injustice is rampant, where they see the idea of Christ's return much differently than we do. For them, the second coming like is it's like the ultimate blessed hope because Jesus is coming to finally set things right. See, do you know what clicks us out of the Western mindset? Actually, it's, it's hardship and we all deal with it. If you're not dealing with it now, at some point, not too long, you're going to life is hard and it's going to continue to be hard. (laughs) Like, how's that for an encouraging message? Hey, welcome to Blackhawk Church. Your life's going to get really hard. (laughs) I think about people whose stories that I've interacted with just like just this week. I I have a friend who I was talking to who continues to deal with chronic pain every day. I have another one who, who recently lost their job and doesn't know what's coming next. I I had conversations with multiple people who I know who are parents whose kids are dealing with like crippling 
anxiety and depression. There's a, a mom that I heard about who had a miscarriage on Mother's Day. There's a, a couple I know whose marriage is falling apart. And then, of, of course, <laughs> there's me. Right now, walking with everything that my family is dealing with, with my dad's cancer and the fact that he is staring death in the face. You see, when, when we look at these situations, if we allow it, it can be incredibly discouraging. But my friends, this is where we need to remember that the story, the story's not done. You see, we may feel right now like we are losing the battle. And, and, and as we are here in the broken in between, like, man, it can get dark. But the battle is not over. And, and the hero is coming back and he is coming back to make all things right. And we will be with him forever. So we allow the words of hope of James, man, to sink deep into us, inside of us. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming, it's near. Let me pray for us. Lord God, it, it feels a little strange to be sitting here right now on a Wednesday afternoon and praying for uh, our church family on Sunday. And yet, thank you, God, that you are, you are so big, you are outside of time, you work in ways that we can't understand or imagine. And so God, as we continue to live our lives here in the broken in between, I pray for people who are in the place of hardship right now, who are struggling with real things. God, would you meet them in that place and would they feel your comfort? And God, for those of us who so easily can get distracted by the things of this world that just seems so new and shiny, would you help us, Father, to be able to keep our eyes fixed on you, to be people who stay on mission to the things that you've called us to, that we might be people who stand firm and continue to move towards transforming this world into the place that you intended it to be. And God, if, if we're honest, we, just, we long for the day when Jesus returns and makes all things right. And so would you help us, Father, to live in the broken in between as the people that you desire for us to be with a hope and a desire to see that day whenever it comes. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.